you are listening to Blockchain Beat. This episode was previously featured on the Blockchain PR podcast. Hi there, my name is Ana Paula Picasso and you are listening to the Blockchain PR podcast. Do you want to know more about decentralized finance? In this episode, me and Jens Fried talk about the challenges for the DeFi and what's going to happen in 2020. Jens is the co-founder of Scaleout, an IT company that uses AI and machine learning, and he's also the lead of the DeFi track of the Stockholm FinTech Week. The Stockholm FinTech Week is happening next month from the 10th to the 14th of February and the DeFi Day is on Wednesday, 12th of February. And if you want to know more about the event and buy your tickets, I will put the link in the description. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me. It's not really an interview, but I have some things in mind. So you, we start with what decentralized finance is. Yeah. And some trends, and then we could talk about yourself as well, uh, how you started, and talk about the event. Stockholm yeah. Week starts on the 10th of February, and the Wednesday is the decentralized finance. Yes, so the, before noon, it's uh, AI in FinTech or artificial intelligence. In FinTech. Okay, and okay. In the so afternoon, it's. Yeah. All, all the days are pretty good. I know the guys yeah. organizing it. But uh, AI and decentralized finance on the same day is yeah, great. Exactly. And yeah. I would definitely put all the links in the description. The link if you want to buy your ticket to come to Stockholm and see and meet all these guys. So shall we start it with what de- decentralized finance or DeFi for short is? Just for people they are, you know, just getting to know a little bit more about blockchain, about decentralized finance, what's, what's DeFi? Uh, decentralized finance is the emergence of decentralized blockchain-enabled financial applications. The, the, what you could say is that it's, a, it's an effort within the blockchain community to kind of uh, recreate traditional financial services, but with this new uh, technological uh, infrastructure, blockchain infrastructure. And uh, as we know, blockchain uh, enables or, or uh, creates uh, uh, new ways to interact. And uh, currently, it's the most active sector within blockchain in, uh, in, in most of the platforms or networks out there. Of course, it's uh, <clears throat> within the Ethereum network that we, we uh, see most of the activity. But uh, you can find it in uh, the other networks too, such as Bitcoin. And as I said, the DeFi or decentralized finance allows for um, the kind of the, the core functions of business interactions to be uh, completed via these post- pro- protocols, the trustless and transparent protocols that uh, run without middleman. And uh, this is interesting because this truly uh, for the first time really unlocks the global market for financial services open to everyone compared to uh, for example traditional financial services 
that is per state or per country. And as soon as you want to do cross-border stuff, then it gets a little bit more complicated and cumbersome. To have to get an overview of, of uh, what's included in decentralized finance, as I mentioned, it's it's uh, more or less a reflection of, of the financial services you would find within traditional finance. And that would be uh, payment solutions, uh, uh, marketplaces and exchanges, uh, the, the borrowing and lending, uh, insurance platforms, uh, etc. And also, of course, uh, more build out of important infrastructures to support this, as well as uh, uh, more and improved tools for doing analytics uh, on these networks to understand them better. So that's a few uh, few uh, kind of uh, important uh, areas where there, where we see a lot of development at, at the moment. But then also, uh, you could also include other kind of more web three uh, initiatives such as uh, self-sovereign identity or, or decentralized identity solutions or this idea or the concept around decentralized uh, autonomous organization, uh, which could also play in, an interesting role within DeFi. So, uh, but to sum it up, the, the true value proposition here is that it is uh, permissionless and anyone with an internet connection can use these applications and they can also build and deploy applications within these networks. Uh, and the second value prop here is, is transparent. And so it allows for, it creates kind of an auditable ledger where anyone can uh, review what's happening in these networks. And also it creates kind of the, the possibility for real-time economic data flow. And, and this is uh, also important to be able to understand the decentralized uh, economy better. And this is kind of a little bit of a holy grail within, holy grail within traditional finance because data uh, is always uh, uh, really important and it's not easy to uh, find and, and, and trust the data. But here uh, you truly can trust the data. And the third, third value proposition I think is worth mentioning is that it provides global and also programmatic liquidity. Entrepreneurs and people building uh, apps here can tap into aggregated liquidity pools because in the end, the, uh, uh, the backbone of decentralized finance is decentralized liquidity. Uh, the, the fact that you can access and also uh, use this liquidity in application. That's the most uh, important aspect of DeFi, I would say. DeFi in a nutshell. Yeah. And what about security issues? Do you know anything about that? Do you, uh, what's, why DeFi is, is, could be better than your traditional banking? In terms yeah, of so, security, in terms of security, your data and your money, obviously. Yes, of course. I mean, yeah, uh, it's a good uh, point. And also, it's a, a rather big question to address, but I'll, I'll give it a short because... Okay, yeah, uh, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, but <laughs> give because, the shorter version. Yeah, I know yeah. it's very um, broad. It's a very broad yeah. question. Uh, and it's really important because... Uh, 
when you uh, deal with value, economic values, such uh, uh, like in this case, then security is, uh, uh, of course, uh, critical. But I think um, I think it, there are a few things that uh, it's good to uh, bring up, both uh, risks with decentralized finance, but also security. Speaking of security, the security problems often tend to uh, happen where um, there are a lot of data or a lot of users or a lot of value uh, somewhere. And uh, in, in, in the case of decentralized um, uh, finance, that happens mostly at centralized finance uh, applications that are kind of using decentralized finance. So for example, uh, many of the exchanges that users interact with within the crypto ecosystem, they are centralized. And that's also where you see most of the security risks. So that's one area of security that's uh, uh, very important to address. And it happens mostly on centralized uh, uh, places. But one, uh, one initiative within the centralized finance is the build-out of decentralized marketplaces and exchanges. And uh, it's still very early and not so much mature, but it's uh, uh, progressing rapidly and uh, several in interesting projects are working on this. And when that... Do you want to mention interesting projects in that sense? Yeah, for example, on, on the Ethereum network, you have Uniswap, uh, Kyber and uh, also <clears throat> the token protocol CRX that allows for uh, for liquidity provision within these uh, decentralized uh, exchanges. So that's a couple. You have a new one called One Inch Exchange, which is a token swap aggregator. It looks really interesting, also. And uh, yeah, so there are many. But I've heard of Uniswap, but they yeah. are still in beta. Yeah, ex yeah, exactly. So it's still uh, quite uh, early, but um, it, it's um, it's interesting what they're building. It's a kind of it's called a, uh, like an automated market maker. So mm -hmm. it uh, provides liquidity uh, through a smart contract system. And uh, okay. yeah, so that could be kind of yeah. uh, interesting when they launch properly. Yeah, and there is uh, another thing as well, Jens. I I sent you. I wrote an article for Coinfomania yeah. last week about the Matic network um, because most of the DeFi projects are built on Ethereum. Ethereum is known to have some scalability problems and and support, and then these guys at Matic Network they claim they can scale up. That's why the DeFi sector is still pretty much niche, is still pretty much small. What do you th what do you think about that? Do you think something is going to change in 2020? Uh, what about scalability issues? Because how I see it is most of the decentralized applications uh, we still are in the first generation of decentralized applications. What yeah. do you think is going to happen in the coming years, this year particularly, and those issues with scalability and Ethereum? Yeah, so good point. And I think 
the scalability is ultimately uh, an important goal to reach for. Uh, currently, I don't think it's uh, uh, it's not critical to have uh, the same transaction uh, capacity as uh, uh, large payment services uh, in traditional finance. But uh, uh, if decentralized finance and also decentralized payment solutions, uh, uh, if that uh, more adoption, uh, if you want more adoption there, then you also need to be able to scale. And uh, these different kind of scaling solutions uh, that are being proposed here and there, there are several products, and I don't, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't have a detail uh, insights on Matic, but uh, I've definitely heard about them before. Oh, no, it's fine. It, I just wondering yeah. if you knew something about it. But yeah, I mean, uh, Ethereum is notorious for this lack of scalability. And I don't know if it's a chicken or egg situation because we want more people to use decentralized finance, but how can we scale then? So yes. what, what comes first? You talk about the scalability trilemma. Uh, so you have kind of three areas that you need to uh, cater for when uh, creating a scalable solution for a distributed network. And that's, you need to have security and you want to have decentralization and then you have want to have scalability. And these three are kind of connected. So if you, uh, uh, you, you basically, it's, it's quite difficult to have, uh, have them all uh, as much as you want. So you need to compromise. So the, the ones that uh, proposes um, uh, solutions to the scalability problem, they often compromise somewhere in this trilemma. Uh, when you, when you want, to, want to solve the scalability trilemma, then uh, you need to consider both the security, the uh, rate or the how much the network is, is decentralized, and also this, the scalability of the network. And um, many projects that propose a solution to this and say that they are scalable, they often lack in one of the areas, uh, other areas, uh, either security or decentralization. So yeah, I know of a few pro projects that have proposed uh, scalable solutions, but then they are not that decentralized. Uh, in other words, they have kind of a rather centralized uh, validation method for their block production or, or uh, validation in the network. And if mm -hmm. it was simple, then, pro then Ethereum would probably have uh, implemented it already. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I can only imagine that. Yeah. And um, going forward, what do you see happening 2020 in DeFi? The uh, development within decentralized finance will definitely continue. It's uh, impressive innovation so far, and <clears throat> we've uh, probably not slowed down, especially if you think about the one of the kind of uh, bigger bonuses that you get, for example, within the Ethereum network, and that is composability or the idea around financial primitives or Lego finance. So if you have one project or protocol. Sorry, go uh, back a little bit. You say Lego yeah. finance. Yeah, so uh, I What's think that? It's, uh, <laughs> so, so you get. With all these uh, innovation happening within the Ethereum network, then you have 
many projects building you know different solutions to different things and then uh, when uh, then that can be reused or recycled for new projects so you, you kind of get these primitives so these building blocks that you that you can so you don't need to start from scratch and this uh -huh, is yeah so this so hence yeah. the name lego finance yeah exactly so so and that in itself uh, would accelerate innovation even more i guess because uh if i come in as an entrepreneur or, or, or a team and i have an idea and i want to build then i don't need to start from scratch i can you know build on what's been built before uh, and I think that's a really interesting uh, value proposition of, of uh, yeah, for Ethereum, the Ethereum networks. Uh -huh. So, so I think uh, DeFi will continue to grow uh, a lot. Uh, although I don't think the adoption will grow that, uh, because in the end, to get uh, users, uh, the kind of the average users uh, interested in this, then you. Then you need to build better products than traditional finance. Otherwise, no one would be interested in switching uh, if they don't have kind of a very specific tech interest or finance interest and they want to understand more. Mm -hmm. So, and within two gonna be um, few years. Yeah, exactly. For the fight to yeah. to boom. So yeah, and that's like I said before. I think we see on the first generation of decentralized applications i think the second generation where yeah. or when someone find a solution of scalability um, maybe we see a bigger adoption so but yeah. it's, it's a good start i think um do you think is um are you positive are you optimist are you optimist about DeFi? yes uh for sure, I'm. Uh, I think uh, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum are the uh, innovations uh, of a century. I think they are kind of the most impressive technological uh, step forward than I don't know than the internet than since the internet or since smartphone. So I think it's a uh, it's a paradigm shift, but uh, it, it's. Uh, it's really it's still early in that sense that uh, critical pieces of the puzzle and also the technology needs to mature a lot more and uh, but uh, for sure I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, this year and the coming decade I think uh, there will yeah. be some spectacular developments for sure maybe the 2020s will be lots of um innovations coming innovations coming up and and we still early days very early days for DeFi, definitely yeah and yeah let's let's talk a little bit about yourself how did you get into blockchain i yeah. know you have different projects yeah so quickly about my background background um so i have a marketing and a communications background both uh the other Fortune 500 company level, but also the agency level or small scale level, and uh, so so that's uh, what I've been doing in the past. A few years back, I discovered uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, and this of course uh, uh, was 
it looked really interesting and I started reading about it more and more and uh, eventually I felt that I needed to get involved somehow so uh, uh, I ended up working together with uh, uh, one uh, one early project uh, one early Ethereum project called Cloudflare and this was a decentralized accelerator ecosystem for blockchain startups so it was essentially uh, the idea to support uh, uh, startups uh, but through this new decentralized uh, economy. Uh, so, so I was uh, part of that and working with that for a while. Uh, and I also tried to uh, create um, like a platform for blockchain startups here in Stockholm. So I launched a, a blockchain co-working space together with Embassy House, one of the kind of the co-working space providers here in, in town. What's and it called again? I think I've heard of it. Yes, we're called Block Block. It's yes, Block now, Block. Yeah, exactly. But now it's, uh, so this is not a separate uh, initiative anymore. It's It's been kind of absorbed by the um, uh, thing uh, Fintech, which is a fintech incubator, house mm -hmm. that uh, embassy. Yeah, so yeah, I, so, I know so of Fintech. Yeah, I know of yeah. them. The guys are very good. And then uh, I, I was also um, uh, organizing or hosting a, a few meetups around token engineering, which is an uh, interesting topic. Understanding how you you could create and use tokens uh, efficiently in uh, crypto networks. And uh, I also co-founded a uh, blockchain consultancy firm called Hard Fork, uh, and we have worked with a few different uh, uh, projects uh, over over a couple of years now. But so, but that's all of that uh, history, or at least uh, not the main focus. The main focus at the moment is my new company called Scale-Out Systems, which is... Uh, uh -huh, Scale-Out uh, Systems. Uh -huh. Yeah, scaleoutsystems.com that I co-founded with a few other guys. <clears throat> and the, the focus for Scale-Out uh, uh, is to build a platform uh, and also tools for advanced machine learning. And just to give a, a little bit of a background uh, of uh, to describe the problems uh, that we're solving. So if you... <clears throat> Uh, as you know, uh, machine learning requires large amount of data, uh, and often the more data you have, then the better the AI system is. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and typically now what you do is that you collect a lot of data into a central location, and then you train your machine learning model uh, from that data. But the problem is that in many instances, uh, uh, data cannot be moved, uh, and that's because uh, uh, the data could be private or proprietary, or it could be data that is regulated, for example, GDPR or health data. Or, I, see. I see. Yeah, or other kind of data that's protect, protected uh, for regulatory reasons. Or it could be uh, for practical reasons. Data could be too big to move, or it could be uh, 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 you, you can't move data because you have slow and unreliable data connection. 
like for example with sensor data or data in IoT devices. So, so, so there's a lot of really valuable data out there where you could use machine learning to uh, to learn more about the data and derive insights from that data. Mm -hmm. But uh, it can't be accessed. So this is the problem we're trying to solve then with the scale out platform because we're creating um, tools and, and platform for federated machine learning, which is a way to, uh, to be able to uh, do machine learning on distributed data sets, but without moving any data or, uh, or disclosing what the data look like. So uh, this would, would enable machine learning in new areas and also uh, create better machine learning models uh, because you would be able to access more data. But again, no data moves. So, so it's, it's privacy preserving in that sense. And so this is what we're doing at okay. scale-up systems. This yeah. sounds... Um, maybe we can do another episode about only about machine learning yeah, <laughs> and AI. <for> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's that a whole new really episode. Fun. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's true. I, um, how do you just quickly? How do you see machine learning AI for for next few years? Do you think they are a little bit more? This sector is a little bit more advanced than the than the DeFi sector, comparing um, them to. Yes, or I mean, uh, it's perhaps it's not. Uh, in a way, uh, machine learning and AI is not as controversial as Bitcoin or, or decentralized finance. In that way, it does not. It doesn't kind of. Um, it's not directly connected to uh, economic value uh, mm -hmm. as with, with as with the decentralized finance. So in that sense. Uh, not uh, uh, complicated, but I think AI has several really important uh, questions that needs to be answered, and and because AI is becoming more and more intelligent, intelligent, and it's also rapidly rapidly spreading through every sector of the economy uh, really quickly, mm -hmm. and so but so here we need to ask ourselves. Who owns and controls the, the data that is used to train these AI systems? And also, who owns and controls the models and the conclusions AI learns from this data? And the answer to that right now, uh, it is large, mainly large corporations that owns and controls both the data and the, the AI systems. And uh, I think there's a, a risk uh, there. Uh, because uh, then the you you would have big tech firms more or less controlling uh, this very powerful technology, and uh, I think we should uh, opt for uh, a more uh, a kind of more inclusive way to using AI and democratic way to use AI. So mm -hmm. so there's. Well, there, I think that will be the big question for the 2020s. Who owns our data? Yeah. I like to own my own data. I know of some blockchain projects that, um, that deal with, that deal with yeah. uh, this sort of area. And yeah. um, let's see, maybe it's a question 
for the next few years. Yeah, and yeah. shall we talk about now? Now we can talk about a little bit about um, the Stockholm FinTech Week that's happening yeah. next month in February, from the 10th of February to the 15th. So it's Monday to Friday. Uh, the decentralized finance day is on the Wednesday, 12th, and you yeah. the organizer of the day. Yes. So correct. what's what's happening on that day? Who's gonna speak? What what are the main areas you guys gonna cover the day for someone that wants to come and learn a little bit about decentralized finance or for someone that's already working in the field? Uh, it's important to uh, to understand that the the we the kind of the uh, goal for the week and also for decentralized finance track is to uh, create a platform for networking essentially to bring in all these uh, uh, smart and clever people uh, entrepreneurs thought leaders uh, investors etc to uh, be able to connect and, and discuss this in an open forum so and for the decentralized finance track uh, the my uh, my ambition was to kind of, kind of bring together interesting uh, initiatives within decentralized finance in within the Nordics. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, so that uh, was kind of the one of the goals. And but then the uh, the activity within decentralized finance or within in the Nordics uh, around decentralized finance is. Uh, it's not like as big as in many other countries in Europe, for example, or the US. Mm -hmm. I see. Uh, I see. Other places. Yeah. So, so any, uh, any particular yeah. speakers you want to mention on the day? Yes. Yeah. Sure. Definitely. So, uh, we we have uh, first up. Uh, I would like to mention Eric Wall, who's a kind of a known profile within the crypto community and uh, uh, also, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, Eric Paul, exactly. And he will be speaking about, his talk is called Hacker Currencies versus Big Brother. And, okay, uh, that's been interesting. What's, what's yeah. it called again? Hacker Currencies versus Big Brother. Big Brother. I think it's uh, wow. in the program page. Yes, yes. Yeah. I will link so, on the description. Yeah. And he, uh, so this talk will be about uh, why cryptocurrencies is important in the growing surveillance capitalism. So um, the uh, the so many uh, governments and states are uh, actively exploring the idea of, of going cashless. But uh, so, and I think uh, Eric and many me as well argue that this could have a really negative impact on privacy for citizens uh, in these countries. So, so this is, uh, and also how cryptocurrencies enables uh, uh, important uh, things in, in distressed countries uh, around the world. So, so it's a... Yeah, I think a good example is Venezuela, isn't it? So this is one important uh, topic and, uh, and a talk I'm looking forward to. Another one is uh, around uh, Bitcoin valuation or valuation of cryptocurrencies, and uh, then then I invited a guy called Bendik Norham Shea. He's uh, uh, from a 
a firm in uh, a crypto fund in Norway called Arcane. And mm -hmm. the reason I heard of Arcane. I heard of Arcane. Yeah. yeah. And the reason uh, I thought this was interesting was that during 19 and also 2018 that, uh, a bit, but mainly in 19, there were some really uh, great developments in, in how to value these uh, currencies and also how to uh, understand it uh, better from an economic perspective, for example. And then we, uh, I will also, I have also invited the Chromia or Chromia way, Chrome, uh, way, uh, the kind of the leading uh, Swedish uh, crypto network. And since they have recently launched their platform and also launched uh, blockchain-based uh, games on their platform. Blockchain game games, yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. I I didn't know. I know of Chrome Away. They're very well known here in Sweden, but yeah. uh, the gaming part is is new, isn't it? Yes, that's new. Uh, and also, I mean, the uh, narrative or the theme around creating blockchain-based games have been uh, around for a couple of years. I know, I know. Yeah. Especially with collectibles, like uh, I yeah. think the most well-known is CryptoKitties. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, so I know you know a lot of talent has worked on this idea or this theme for quite some time, and I think uh, this will now uh, soon, perhaps even this year, we will actually see uh, uh, you know actual fun games being released. Uh, fun games, uh, I mean, on blockchain games being released. Uh, so uh, that's uh, something also I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to. Yeah. yeah, me too. I'm not a gamer, but I think it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, so just just want to say one more time, the, the event starts on the 10th of February and goes to the 15th of February. And also they have other themes, other days like InstaTech and RegTech, and the Wednesdays, the decentralized finance. And thanks again, Jens, for taking the time to talk a little bit more about decentralized finance. And I'm pretty sure there's lots of exciting things happening this year. Yes. Within yeah. decentralized finance and, and cryptocurrencies and, and even gaming. In blockchain. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much. It was uh, it was a pleasure being on your show. Thanks for listening. If you want to know how blockchain PR can help your business grow, just go to www.blockchainpr.online.